0: Due to some travel next week that I have, we are recording this podcast a little bit earlier than we normally do on the Thursday that we've dropped the Miata four-generational comparison. And it's yeah, early. Yeah. It's early. But mm-hmm. we're just starting to eyeball the comments and see what's, yeah. what people are thinking. But it's seemingly pretty good so far. What do you think?
1: So – some guy, some guy wrote, a, wrote a comment that says, do you guys really read all the comments? Reply if you don't. And I was like, is this a test? My brain us. hurts. <laughs> yes, we do really read all the comments. Uh, that's not just something that we said in the intro. And that intro, uh, we're getting some cool responses on that, too. That it really is intended to be on the front of a good number of our pieces going forward this year just because we want to get the word out to all of you. Maybe some of you are listening to the podcast for the first time right now as a result of that intro. We just want to get the word out. We're realizing a lot of people don't realize this podcast exists or haven't heard of our feature films or whatever. So that's our effort to get the the wider reach of the brand out there. And we are excited about some of the big comparisons we want to do this year, but that four Miata piece Honestly, I was I was doing post production on another feature film. I mean, it was just it was <laughs> yeah, that scale of work. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Worked. I mean, it's not quite as long, but I mean, when you think about it, the uh, the pilgrimage film we just dropped was eighty minutes. Well, yeah, this it's half Miata, the length of that. This Miata film was half
0: that, was half that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I feel like we've dropped a bomb with this, and we'll see. We're still monitoring comments and still you know, looking to see what people think. But so far, pleasing reviews, and uh, we're liking that. And uh, it's kind of interesting because we're not finding too many other journalists driving all four generations. And that's kind of I'm not, how we. Yeah, operate. I'm not aware of anybody that has. That's it. our headspace. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's you know,
1: that's that's the big thing that, that you and I talk about a lot. We talked about it with others. I mean, one of the difficulties, uh, with well, difficulties too strong a word, but I don't know another way to put it. One of the difficulties of hopping in a new car, is the, a new version of a car. i me just use the Miata as an example. If you if you or I just jumped in an ND, mm-hmm. we could try to remember when we drove that NC. But I don't know if you remember. I actually looked today. It's been like four or five years Has since we really? actually put that in, that NC oh on gosh. camera, so oh we gosh. could sit down and try to think about okay, does this have as much body roll or whatever? But I mean, there's been hundreds of cars between us and that one, yeah. and if you if you work for a big outlet. It's even more of a blitzkrieg of cars. There's even a huge to the pile of stuff you've driven in the interim. So I always really, I, genuinely, and we've got friends at magazines all over. We've got journalist friends we really respect. But I always really wonder, I have to admit, even when we know the journalist, when they're in some brand new car and they're like, let me tell you how this is different than the other one. And I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. You <laughs> drove that last version three years ago.
0: Right. And, so and we at, don't at see best, it anywhere in the article. We don't see it lurking in the background. It's not we like you drove
1: it. up... It's not like you drove up in the old version and and jumped in the new one. Now, I'm not saying it's not possible to know kind of what the other one felt like. That is possible. But there is something revelatory about literally climbing out of one Miata, climbing out of one walking 10 steps, getting in another one, and driving away. Yeah. The the yeah. stuff that we can come up with and, and, and tell right away is so clear, and that's why I love doing those generational comparisons. I love every one we've done. I mean, we've done the M3s, we did the GTRs, which was really splitting hairs, but even our nine eleven film. This was the, the great thing about doing that, was really just finding those tiny little nuances. And what I like, look, I know not everybody's going to like that of piece. I just like that it's getting discussion going, and that we were able to do all four. I love that.
0: Well, well, that's why we set out to do that is is generate discussion. And it's funny because that's our headspace now. When we think of driving a particular model, we are always mm-hmm. looking to the history of where that car was and what, you know, we might have liked it in the past generation. And so we're eyeing yeah. the new one with a skeptical eyeball, or maybe we're embracing it and can't wait to drive it. But it's always, yeah. we want to drive it in reference to something else. And speaking of that seat to seat time, that got this discussion that Todd and I were talking about on the phone today. And it actually, I thought, oh, yeah. let's touch on this today for the podcast because just the driving enthusiasts alone, I mean, this is what we're after. This is why you're listening to the podcast and following the channel sure, and sure. consuming car information like crazy. It's why we all did from, you know, as a kid. But after you and I hung up, I thought a hundred years ago, the driving techniques and racing techniques that we know that are standard, ubiquitous, and mm-hmm. common sure. – weren't invented yet because the car didn't exist. I think,
1: Yeah, the car was just this weird fringe thing, and now the stuff that we just take for granted. I mean, heck, 100 years ago... What pedals are where and how a car works? Not standardized at all. Completely bizarre. Completely different than what we do now. And here we are where we get into minutia of, you know, here's how you heel toe and here's where you break into a corner. All of that was yet to be discovered 100 years ago. What got us talking about this specifically is we were talking about, and I won't bore you with how we got there, but we were talking about the fact that cars in general, just in the grand scheme of specifically YouTube, is a niche part of YouTube. It is you know yeah. the, the the people that do comedy, the people that do commentary on the news, the people that do science stuff that's universal it you reaches said, across uh, what is all it, the brands backyard,
0: um backyard stuff, you know, science projects. Yeah, for the guys kids that do,
1: or, yeah, the, the guys that do slow-mo stuff in their backyard or science projects with household items in yeah, their garage. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that that is much but but here's the thing, those are short and they're much broader from an audience perspective than cars. Cars are niche and they will always be niche, but what's interesting is it's only going to get more. Everything that's out there right now is everybody talking about the level of autonomy in their vehicle and of course you have the ride of Lyft, you have the ride of Uber. All of this suggests, and I can't tame, claim credit. The first person I heard, heard to say this was Jay Leno, probably the better part of ten years ago, and I fully agree with him. Eventually, and I, this was my joke with Paul: the car is going to become what the horse has become,
0: and 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 it's going to
1: be like Paul and I are making horse fancy videos. Because here's the thing: I know, I know people, I know people that have horses and love horses, but. I I I can ride a horse. I've done it a few times in my life, but it's just not something I'm drawn to. Yet 100 years ago, if you traveled, it was by horse.
0: It was. So, yeah. I mean,
1: I I'm thinking what are we 15, 20 years at the most from a place where autonomy is going to be ubiquitous? Doesn't mean every car on the road will be autonomous, but it's just going to be a normal thing. In fact, also this week, I don't know if you saw it, Paul, the Google robot released new video, which was a little creepy because mm-hmm. it's kind of no, like a headless Terminator it. walking around. It's it, it looks like a headless Terminator. Oh, was that is what the it looks thing like.
0: walking through the forest or something? Yes, walking yeah, through the forest on the yeah, snow. Yeah. It's 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 that the
1: it's creepy, the white yeah. Terminator without a head. It's like you crossed a stormtrooper with a Terminator, chopped its head off, and sent it on a walk through the forest. It that that did this did Sky not night. instill me with confidence. I'm it's telling rare. you, I'm telling it's you, rare. but. You I know, we're gonna to get to a place we're gonna to get to a place where the car for as as a mode of transport is much more a regulated pod. And then those of us like you listening that want to drive for fun, that's gonna be like the people that go out on the weekend and ride their horses. I do think we're headed there. And that'll be really interesting. <laughs> What's good about it is I think those of us that wanna do it will be even more obsessed even with more it. Focused but it will and, but it will truly yeah. be a hobby. It will be the I don't drive any other way I I you know or if I drive I'm barely involved and then I go drive somewhere for fun to be involved with the machine and to do it in the same way that somebody goes and rides a horse.
0: I've seen quips from Porsche management saying, you know, autonomous cars don't fit their brand because that doesn't fit their customer demographic, which I see and so there will be car manufacturers that might simply oh. shun that. But I read this interesting article, um, I think it was Business Insider, about an author talking about the downsides of autonomous cars or the reasons that mm-hmm. they won't mm-hmm. come as quickly. And he mentioned things like just the illegality of crossing a double yellow. Say a car is parked or it comes out of a parking space as you're driving along, even 20, 30 miles an hour, Well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You swerve into oncoming traffic or even even if there's no car there. So you'll cross over the double yellow and you'll go around it and you'll make those snap decisions Otherwise, sure. because what lawmaker on earth, what lawmaking body would say, okay, it's okay for an autonomous car to do that. So you think, well, okay, maybe yeah. it would request driver control at that point. And then you think about weather and, you know, autonomous cars can't do what humans do to co- be creative to get a car unstuck or drive mm-hmm. slower because the weather change or something like that. And I think, okay, maybe, but the pace of progress is so fast that all those things will be overcome with some creative yeah, thought. they will. And we will continue I mean, hurtling down this road. But then to your point, yeah. all of this will become moot because – well, not moot, but it, it, the enthusiasts will be seeking that out even more, and manual transmission cars will become hyper-valuable. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think I think that's always going to exist. I don't think it goes away, but I think it becomes – even less mainstream than it is now. I mean let me put it another way. I know plenty of people, so do you, so do whoever's listening. I know plenty of people who drive every day and do not enjoy it. They oh, just sure. they aren't interested in cars, sure. they but they drive every single day. Those folks in twenty years will have trouble remembering the last time they drove themselves. Yeah. Now Those of us that like to drive, it'll be yesterday, last week, uh, you know, three days ago. But the people that right now driving is a chore will no longer be driving in 20 years. That's my prediction. And I think there will still be a mix of of autonomous and non. But, I mean, come on. We're driving the the Tesla Model X. Spoiler alert. We're driving the Tesla Model (laughs) X this weekend that review is coming up soon but i mean tesla is one of the front runners and frankly having driven their model s they should be one of the front runners in autonomous vehicles but you know mercedes and volvo and lots of these are charging down this road and while i think it's nice that porsche says we're never going to do it it's easy to say that now sure. talk to me in tw- talk to me in 2030 what's your lineup look like because right. what's your i think it's going like, to be you
0: know
1: yeah and I, th- I think you'll end up with with splits i think you'll end up uh, look uh, all speculation just guessing shooting from the hip here but i wouldn't be surprised. Take take a brand like BMW. If you have a bunch of autonomous i3 style cars going around, and then their M cars are M for, now. M is actually has to be driven by a man. It's a manual car. Mm-hmm. You know it, the, the, sure. the the they have the performance division. That is the performance division actually becomes a car you have to drive yourself. And then they have the all ninety percent autonomous version. We'll see. But I'm I'm just seeing. What what we love and are obsessed by is only going to become more niche, and in 20 years, I'm going to be the super weird guy that likes cars. I, I, I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. already weird You're enough. you like, what? You have a
0: gasoline-powered car? How ancient. Exactly. You're crazy, exactly. man. I mean, car companies are exactly. desperately it's... trying to become technology companies, and I told yeah. Todd, yeah. I, I wonder if Uber's going to IPO this year and then start to build cars. And guess what? All those drivers that they're hiring like crazy— yeah, we don't need you anymore because of the new well, car that we've introduced. It's all. Isn't autonomous. it GM?
1: Isn't it GM that just got uh, aligned with with Lyft? I mean, GM that's going to happen to Uber too. Yeah. yeah, Uber's Uber's going to align with somebody, and you'll end up with the Uber branded, you know, bubble car that that just drives itself around and picks you up. And honestly, look, I say this as a person that loves driving, but for the kind of things you use an Uber for, why not? Mm -hmm. If I'm standing in downtown Los Angeles and need to go to the airport, the last thing I need is a guy to drive me there. I need a pod that gets me through traffic.
0: Well, 150 years ago, nobody loved driving because nobody knew what driving was. There weren't any techniques.
1: (laughs) Driving only only related to (laughs) cattle 150 years ago. Blows my mind. It's it's all changing. But in the meantime, there are
0: still people that need to drive and need good cars. And you all have heard us talk about Patreon. Yeah, I agree. You've heard us talk about Patreon a lot, and this is for mm-hmm. people that that are able to help support us. And every dollar that is collected from Patreon goes right back into our, our productions, and yeah, uh, you know flights to wherever we're doing, or you know gas money or meals or whatever that is, and it goes right into production. Yeah, it just
1: allows us allows us to branch out a little bit, which is awesome. Yeah, it going. does.
0: So two uh, two guys for the car debate are both Patreon contributors. Thank you both. It is Michael and Duncan. Michael's in California. Duncan is in yeah. Calgary, I believe, up in Canada. And I'm and, glad and that these should, guys wrote because I, I we haven't should clarify
1: further. Actually, well, because, sure. because but the the thing the thing about Patreon is uh, it's 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 not Kickstarter. It's kind of an ongoing contribution, but it's not a requirement but there are extra little deals you can get out of being a patron. There's levels of patronage you can involve. Obviously, depending on your level, sure, depends on sure. your access and the things you get. Both of these guys happen to be at one of our upper levels that allows them to be on a Google Hangout call with us, which is really cool. We do it once a month. So we've actually met both these guys. But yeah, what's really fun yeah. about the patrons is it just gives you that extra layer of access. And uh, you know, patrons at any level, when they write to us, we try to make sure we get their car debates covered because you, know, you guys are really embedded, which is awesome. So thank you you guys for writing in. Yeah, Michael first in uh, in California here, writing to us, and what's funny is I'm wondering if Michael's car debate has made, is making your skin crawl, Paul, honestly. Because, in what sense? Well, because he recently, look, he, he's been a BMW guy for a long time. He's had a, a, a 2013 BMW 1 Series with a Sport Pack that he has thoroughly enjoyed, but he recently, and we were excited for him when he told us this, he bought a 2005 uh, Porsche 911, the 997 that we're both big fans yeah, of, the, the dot one, and he had it. He had it for about six months, and it has suddenly taken a turn and become that frightening Porsche money pit. And so he's saying, you, "Where is the you know where is the ripcord? Must eject." Loves the car when it runs, but he just can't believe the amount of money it's already costing him. So he's seriously considering getting out of both the BMW and the Porsche leaving German brands entirely and getting himself something new and fun that can do family duties if it has to, but is mainly newer (laughs) and funner, which is interesting.
0: Did you notice he kind of put the smack down here? I mean, he said it is 40,000 cap, not 45. I noticed that, Michael. I'm laughing. And he said, I'm getting away from German cars. It cannot be German. And I, I came up with four. The big things that I'm running into are Michael's requirements because he said okay. it's got to have a manual transmission, got to be fun to drive, mm-hmm. which is why he's asking mm-hmm. us. He Absolutely, likes the yeah. rear drive dynamics, but willing to try some other things. But out of German cars, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I guess, uh, yeah. I guess you're right. I'm I'm doing my best, and all four of the selections that I came up with for Michael here are not they're not German.
1: Good for you, good for you. But yeah, that's great.
0: I will caveat that by saying there is there is a thread through them that you will notice, and, and uh, I will get to the end after telling you what it is, but then just prepare to sit back and be ready to be sold, Michael, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. What <laughs> I well, my sales I wanna, here? <laughs> nicely so done. Get ready. I want
1: to acknowledge a couple of things. Michael sent us a lot of info, and thanks for that. I want to acknowledge a couple of things he said. His personal front runners right now, these are divergent cars. His personal front runners are a Ford Fiesta ST, or a Chevy SS. <laughs> These cars are not the same. For those of you that are following along or might be new to the podcast, just 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 pause it right here and go over to your friendly Google of choice and, and Google both those cars and just look at them. You don't even have to go farther than just a photo and go, go yeah, those are choice. those are awesome. Those are those are those are not the same. So anyway, but but of course the common thread is they both have four doors, they both are manual, they both are fun to drive, but very different cars. Those are his front runners, and as a result, his runners up that he's just already looked at, Mazda 3 Hatch, which, honestly, Michael, really like it. Great car. Not interesting enough. Uh, just as a driver coming out of what you're driving, that Mazda 3 Hatch, which I have actually recommended to multiple people on the podcast and off, great car, not for you. Subaru WRX. <laughs>
0: great car, not for you. It's like a pickup truck. Well, great but car it's just, for I, other people think, to own, so you can but, borrow it.
1: But it's just... Look, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not as much of an enthusiast car as the other things he's looking at. The WRX is an interesting prospect. Um, I'm, I'm mixed on it. Cadillac ATS, uh, you actually said your question there is, is it big enough for, for your needs? And is it going to be hot enough? Which is an interesting question. What I also find fascinating about his car history, though, did you notice this? Mm. One of his favorites, the the girl that got away in his car history, he had a CTS v sedan oh yeah that he still thinks back fondly on he had it for two years it was a 2010 and he still looks back at that cts sedan and goes wow that was a cool car which i find fascinating so i have two for him but what are your four
0: well michael i'm working hard for you here and i i am keeping in mind the forty thousand dollar price cap And Michael has said that, uh, well, the way he put it, he's not as tall as we are. So we're both 6'3", and Michael is not as tall as that. And he said, well, a larger car just feels huge. So something that's going to feel Uh big to us is going to be enormous to Michael. And that's why I think, okay, I like the Chevy SS. We've recommended that car. We've now tracked Mm -hmm. it. We've Mm -hmm. had it with the manual and the magnetic ride control. Dig it. But I'm just wondering if that is a bit too big. Um, mm-hmm. So I am see that. I'm, I'm, here's where I started. I thought, all right, what about the Jaguar XF, the 3-liter or the supercharged, from about 2011 mm. to 2014? They're right under the $40,000 price cap. And that led sure. me to think, what about the XE? the new Jaguar XE for 2017, coming out in spring of yeah. 2016, I thought, all right, yeah. that's right aimed at the A4, the C-Class, the BMW 3 Series.
1: Yeah. It's in that world, and yet it isn't German. Not yeah, German. I, I thought, that point.
0: okay, all right, interesting. And I kept thinking, and I came across the Acura TL, 2013, 2014. It's got the super handling all-wheel drive, 300 horsepower. They're about $35,000 mm-hmm. used. Um, that led me to the Volvo S60, I thought, what about the 2013 S60 and their top trim level here is called the T6R design and it has all wheel drive. They're right in the $30,000 range. The big problem with all these, I'm sure you've Uh realized that by now, is none of them are available with a manual transmission, Yeah, which is a problem. And I agree. And it's notable because it's becoming harder and harder to find manual transmissions and it seems like looking back up on your email here michael it seems like the ones that are manual transmissions kind of hit that eh, the interior is not that great and they're a little bit on the cheap feeling side sometimes, but they're manual yeah,
1: sometimes that's true yeah unless yeah, you
0: yeah. go german and you go high-end name me a car that mm-hmm. does feel mm-hmm. solid beautiful luxurious but still a manual it's hard
1: that is hard you're right that's a very difficult reality
0: so therefore, yep. I'm yep. going to sell you. I'm going to sell you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here's my big choice. It is a Lexus. It's the <laughs> IS, slightly used 2014. I wondered. I wondered. Okay, keep going. Keep How about going. a 350 F-Sport? They are bang right on the nose of 40 grand, slightly used. Yeah. They yeah. they are Really fun to drive. Todd and I enjoyed ourselves and actually were surprised by this car. If you look back at the review mm-hmm. when we had it up against the 3 Series and the ATS, we didn't think that car was going to really take all the mustard, and it was fantastic. And I remember it thinking was just... the fun to drive superseded the lack of automatic transmission,
1: and therefore well it was one of those it was one of those cars that was surprisingly good in every category and the other yeah. two we had an ATS yeah. and we had a 335 BMW and the other two were standouts in some categories above the IS but were, were worse in others. And here was the IS just hanging out at a high level in yeah. every single category. And it just kind of had to win as a result. Yeah. Very surprising. Yes, not a manual, which is a big issue here. It's but a I do take your point. That is a surprisingly good car in this discussion. I do agree with that.
0: So I say, Michael, if the f- at least go drive it. Try it out, mm-hmm, if you haven't mm-hmm. considered it. Yeah, I see and, that. and just think in the back of your mind as you're driving. Does the fun to drive part of it outweigh the lack of a manual transmission? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Only you can answer that. But that's where I'm going to leave sure, it sure. for now. Okay. All right. You can see, kind of. I was working my way through. Okay, what's not German? I liked the Volvo idea. I wish that mm-hmm. our design were. It used to be, but they stopped making the manual O seven. I found out. Which, stinks. well, you know what
1: I. As as you're talking, you know what I think of. Huh. Unfortunately, I I can't. It's not on the radar yet, but I really wonder if it's the interesting animal. For Michael. Now granted the 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 elephant in the room problem with the German cars is what's the reliability gonna be? I don't want it to cost much. Yeah. When we go to more niche automakers like the Jaguars of the world and others, and the one I'm about to mention, you might think that. But you know what I wonder about? Hmm. What's the base, the lower engine Julia gonna be like? Like a three hundred horsepower Julia. You know that's gonna come with a manual because the big boy is. I, I just that intrigues right. me, and and it feels like the right size. I mean, Michael's a smaller guy. That Julia's going to be like you know current three series sized, not German, obviously. Interesting hand, uh, interesting looking. Probably going to be fairly decent from handling perspective. Obviously, we haven't driven it. No, nobody has yet. But I mean. Of course, we sat in the the big, you know, fire-breathing, 500-horsepower version of the auto show. Yeah. That's interesting. It's fascinating. I love the interior. I'm intrigued by that car, but I stand by what I've always said on that car, and that is, I want to drive the base version that's going to be 35 grand. What is that car? And so I really wonder about that. And I don't know how soon you're buying, Michael. And I really don't know when that engine's coming because Alpha is leading with the 500 horsepower, even though you know others are coming. They're leading with they that They have one. to. And so, I, I had mentioned so
0: that I only saw in the brochures that the the big enchilada model. But, yeah, I'm, I'm quite certain now that other variants are coming. They've just started with that one, with all the advertising yeah. and dropping and, the bomb, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, so… So that one I wonder about. You actually brought up, Michael, you brought up the Focus ST and just said it's just not a car you like. So you've taken it off the table. You don't like the interior. And so because you don't like the interior and the feel of the inside of the, of the ST, it kind of removes the RS. So I did want to acknowledge that car is, is not being ignored. It's just something you've taken off the table personally. I have two thoughts, and one of them is a thought I haven't had before on the show. But did you have any others? I'm I'm liking the stuff you're mentioning. That was mainly it.
0: I landed on the Lexus because of how much you and I liked it, and we came away going, really? This is – we really like this? Okay. And I I think for me, thinking back to that car, that superseded the lack of a manual. Would I love to have it? Yes. But would I not buy it? Because it – wasn't fun or didn't hit my other hot buttons? No, I'd still consider it.
1: And so that's why yeah, I, hear I, that I recommend I hear but,
0: that. But uh, well, I'm curious to well, hear your I, two.
1: As, we, as we've talked through, the Julia literally came to mind as we've discussed. That's a good so one. really wonder about the realities one. of that. That's 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 one that I would really recommend to you look at seriously, Michael, depending upon your time frame and what it really is going to be when it stops being vaporware and actually shows up at a dealer. Yeah. These are big, big questions. Yeah. But I have two. One is you're talking about the Chevy SS as a real option, and I honestly think it is a front-runner option. I think that is a great choice. Obviously, all I'm doing is backing up your own choice you've thought of, but I I think because of the restrictions you've put on yourself here, I like that one. But then the other thought I had is, and I haven't done this on the show before. But I'm reading through your extensive list of cars, the kinds of things you've driven, and then your discussion of these two German cars that are draining you. And what I'm hearing is you want to rest. You want to rest on something you can feel confident on and just kind of brace yourself for a little while. Have a car that's fun but isn't going to be something you can question that you know you're going to like. Mm -hmm. And my suspicion is, Michael, knowing you in a few years after you take a little bit of a rest – you'll probably be back in a German car. You'll get yourself a different Porsche. Could be. You'll be intrigued by some other BMW. I think that's still coming. I don't think you're done forever. So I'm looking at your list and going, wait a minute. Three different times in this email, you mentioned how much you liked your Cadillac CTS-V. So I kind of go, go get another one. <laughs> in fact, if you want, see if you can find the six-speed wagon. But whether you get the wagon or just the six-speed sedan, you liked it you had a 2010 get a newer version of the prior model not the current model you can't afford but the prior model you could get a newer version of that when they refined it right before they went to the Q system so like i'm going to get it wrong but it's like 2013 ish maybe 2014 is is the range we're talking about you liked it it's going to be american it's going to run it's going to be cheaper to run you know it's a known commodity for you and i just get the sense here you need the rest but you want to rest on something that you're confident in and will enjoy I say, look at that car again. I've never told anybody to get a car again on this show, but I honestly feel like for Michael that's that may be the way to go.
0: Call Raul and see if uh, he wants to sell it to Michael. hey will he you yeah, sell exactly Rauls who, who had,
1: had that great c t s v wagon that yeah. you go, it is weird every week we're coming up with well, if you'll sell your car to this listener, then you know anyway, I'm telling next you. Thing, we're gonna be we're gonna be our own we're gonna be our own true car. we're gonna take a cut. it's gonna be awesome no, that's terrible anyway yeah, that's terrible, no no. Yeah.
0: Um, well, good. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, I don't think we've ever recommended people go get the car they've already owned.
1: I, I never have, because the big thing we're always about, and, and, and I'm look, I'm a huge believer in it. The big thing we're always about is go get a new life experience. But I just get mm-hmm. the sense from reading Michael's email that he's done a lot of that in the last like decade. He's owned tons of cars, and I get the sense that it's just kind of worn him out. And so let's get something that he knows he'll like, he can afford, that will run, and just just rest on that car he likes for a little bit and then jump back in the fray in a couple of years. That, that's my instinct.
0: So worn out his checking account. Not only worn him out. Well, yes, but definitely. I out his bank account.
1: <laughs> I, 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 still think, I still think the SS would be a fantastic choice. Sure. But, but my alternative is go back to something you know you like. I mean, I'll be really honest. If I had a ton of money, <laughs> I don't, but if I had a ton of money, nobody would be surprised that I would go buy a bunch of cars. One of the cars I would buy would be a Z32, again, I'd buy a Z thirty uh, two Nissan three hundred ZX Turbo. I own I've owned that car. Would I loved you? it. I, I, I and to be honest, as a driver, I've moved on beyond it. But it's a car <laughs> I still really like and love. And if I had money to just have a fleet of cars, I'd buy a nice one it's
0: just so because I like huh? it. Mm, that's cool. I, just because
1: I like it, it wouldn't be the car I pull out every day. But it'd be like you know what? Let's take the Z. I'd get one. So there is something to be said for returning to the cars that you loved. If it makes sense. One of the reasons we push going into new experiences all the time is if you're going to drive one car, let's make it different than the one you drove last time. Nobody infuriates me. I'm on a rant now. Nobody infuriates me more <laughs> than to drive by somebody's house and they have two of the same car.
0: Well, Tesla owners do. I
1: always think, um, what, uh, why, why did you buy two of the exact – and maybe they're in different colors.
0: And I really mm. think,
1: really – that's all you did?
0: A red Hummer and a yellow I just, Hummer?
1: Yeah. I, I you know. <laughs>
0: what I love no, is I when, you yeah. see the,
1: when you see the driveways where the two cars couldn't be more different. I almost want to shake that person's hand. Whether they're enthusiast cars or not, they're just opposite ends of the buying spectrum. You know, you've got your your lifted, full-size, extra-duty cab next to a Miata. It's like,
0: all right, cool. <laughs> and, Good and on you. The, you the know? wife That's drives awesome. the lifted truck, and the guy drives the Miata, right? <laughs>
1: Probably, yeah, probably. Anyway, yeah, probably so we should move right. on to uh, to our other patron of the evening, Duncan, who's actually been on a few of our Hangout calls. Hey, Duncan, thanks for writing. And uh, you also have had quite a list of cars in a short amount of time. I'm going to just run through your list real quick because I find it fascinating. You've had a, a GTI three-door Honda Fit, uh, a 2006, so that's the E46 generation M3. You've also had the E92 generation M3, an Evo 10 alexis isf a civic si and did you notice his original project car down here paul looking
0: i'm looking i'm looking
1: 1995 civic coupe that you built up to 500 wheel horsepower at 2400 pounds of car weight your comment here (laughs) that i love this is so it's so subtle and I, i i started laughing when i read it two sentences one power was absolutely unusable Two, used to scare friends. That so is awesome. I just, <laughs> that is awesome. I like this, Duncan. But what's happened is that your current car is this GTI, and you've just decided, I hate to say it, you've kind of decided what we feel about the GTI, and that is nothing wrong with it, but you've just kind of gotten bored. You've wanted something more hair on fire. That's true about that car.
0: It is. So your gr- is. your
1: girlfriend will probably take it over, so you're looking for new fun and this is where we meet Duncan on his car search.
0: So Duncan's budget is about what is it? About 40,000 Canadian and it's interesting here, he's looking to lease, so in the mm-hmm. just under 500 bucks a month, probably in the 450-500 dollars a month lease, which I find mm-hmm. interesting because of his choices, scrolling back up to the the long list here, he he's had some Real good variation in here. He's, yeah, had the crazy built-up tune thing. He's graduated to the uh, 08 Lexus ISF. He's had the crazy, you know, boy racer car. And it's interesting because you and I talk about this. Rarely, if ever, does anybody ever approach us with an email without having some choices already in mind. Nobody says well, yeah, I mean, we're car people we're, we're car coming people. To you. Nobody
1: comes in with a blank slate.
0: No, of course Everybody, not. Everybody and it's almo- it's it could be two different categories. It could be, you know what, that new BMW so-and-so, I've never driven it, but that's really intriguing to me for a variety of different reasons. Or maybe maybe you can't put yeah, your finger on it. Yeah. But then there's the, yeah, I've driven that and I'm intrigued and I'm wondering about that. Should I am I that kind of person? Should I get into that car? And so very much the case. And maybe even more with Duncan. He has written in with a choice that I I am actually, the more I think about it, the more I'm heartily agreeing with it. And I want to talk about oh, it because really?
1: he's,
0: okay. he's got this $40,000 budget. And I thought, all right, I'm thinking around. And I, I think, OK, he's been a BMW guy. You and I have talked about the M235i, but even just the 2 Series, the new BMW 2 Series platform, even the 228, which we tracked. Mm-hmm. We both mm-hmm. liked it, and I like the yep. 2 Series, and I'm still trying to finagle money and wishing it grew a <laughs> bush outside my door, but it doesn't. Yes. And thinking, ah, oh, what about the 228? And then he lands on this thing that he's got, this car that's on his radar, and I looked it up. It is not on the um, Canadian Chevrolet uh, site, uh, nor is it in the U.S. Okay. It's a 2017 car, but they have announced it. And it's the, okay. com- it's the new Camaro V6, and it's a track yeah, package, yeah. very specialized track package called the 1LE, and they've announced mm-hmm. it. It's not built yet. It's not for sale yet. But I, I read that, and I thought, oh, my gosh. And I'm reading through the specs, and I'm going, for for a guy like Duncan and for the variety these had, it seems yeah. in keeping with that. Because it almost seems like anything else I suggest is going to be kind of, all right, yeah, I've tried that. I've tried something similar. This is the new car, and it's got this. It is track. It's it's back to what we it's back to what we talked about a minute ago.
1: It's a totally new experience. It's a totally new experience. I do see that. I do see that. I I came
0: in with the the two series, Duncan, and I came in thinking, all right, forty grand. You like smaller, but not too big. Your commute is is nothing. A three minute drive commute, but you're thinking maybe road trips, and that's why I landed there. And then I read your your Camaro, and I went, oh, I I want to drive that car.
1: he wants a fun car with road trip capability as needed. I mean, it's going to yeah. be a car he drives mostly just for fun. And then if he wants to go on a little bit longer drive road trip, wouldn't it be cool if it did that too? So so we are talking about a pretty focused car. I will acknowledge that. But it's got to be nice enough to take on road trips. So, if, for example, the Lotus Elise does not make this list. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but what's interesting is I, I like that you kind of came up against the 2 Series because I want to return to something that Duncan said earlier. He says, I mean, this is a guy that's had... Both of the M3s that we put together, the E46 and the E92. Granted, yeah. we had the E94 yeah. door, but he said both those generations. And he kind of compares and contrasts them in his email. He loved, as most people do, he loved the manual and the straight six of that E46, which are two of the best things about it. Um, but he actually found the E92 a little bit better for uh, for kind of normal life, and that really makes me go, Duncan. Um, Two series, and which what's Funny. the most two series you can get? Because because Funny. I feel like it's a blend. It's a blending of the more modern, more usable. You know, because he, he felt like sometimes that E forty six was a little little hardcore for normal life. So okay, the that that new two series in any variant you get is going to be a little bit more normal, but it still keeps to the smaller chassis, great chuckability of that E forty six. I think it's got more of that personality in it. I think. 228 or m2 235 you can get one with the with the manual transmission i think you would love that car i think it would speak to the things Mm -hmm. you liked about your M cars so far but it would be much nicer than for example your evo and i think it definitely has more personality than your gti's i think the 2 series has got to take a serious look and then i have to say the thing i can't believe you didn't bring up paul nothing it's not a duplicate of anything on his list i think it has to be mentioned and that is duncan um why aren't you looking at a Cayman?
0: you think so because i i yes he said in here the miata frs too impractical and small and i'm just wondering i i kind of was thinking around the edges of that but then i thought i'm wondering if he's looking for something a little bit more space well, They're first off, I would say space. to you, I would
1: say to you that the FRS is actually more practical than you think, and I don't say that as an owner. I say that because it keeps surprising me. Honestly, I mean, I, I've I've literally taken it skiing and dropped the back seats and put skis in the back. I mean, it, it's much more practical. It it is in a totally different practical world than an actual S two thousand or Miata. It's much mm-hmm. more practical than you would ever think those cars. But I keep coming back to the literally. We drove half the country in your Cayman when you bought it. We did. Two guys, yeah, yeah. gear. It is an incredibly comfortable, long road trip car. You would be very happy. With the trunk and the frunk, you've got a surprising amount of room. Yes, it is only a two-seater. But based on the way you're describing this, why not only a two-seater? The problem with the two-seaters you brought up is they are not that usable. But the Cayman defies that. It really does. And you know, if you wanted to go drive it hard, that car would be thrilled. And then if you want to go road trip, why not? I think the Cayman is worth a look. Obviously, you're talking used at this point. But, you know, and yeah, hopefully it you'll have a Cayman leasing, that runs well. the
0: leasing picture yeah. here that he's talking about. But still. But I, th-
1: I think it's worth the look. I mean, it's funny. You know, we, we just came out of the discussion from Michael where he can't get out of his Porsche fast enough. But yet you had a Cayman. <laughs> seriously. But yet you had a Cayman and loved on it. And it was great to you. And by and large, the Cayman seemed to be pretty reliable. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. you should look at a Cayman as well because you've never owned a Porsche. You have some German car history. That is a car with genuine personality, but it doesn't have the compromises required for like a Lotus Elise. I think it's worth looking at. I say two series or Cayman. I have to land there.
0: That's interesting. I, I keep saying all those who, all the, all the people who are done with European cars, and your cars are for sale. Meet all the Can people listening <laughs> who want to get into European cars, and all those yeah, of you who right. are done with your Japanese reliability and you want to just. You know, <laughs> you, you want to get rid of it, and all the people who are trying to get out of the European cars. Hey, everybody, meet! And it's like a maybe trade straight across or something, or I don't know. Maybe that's a show. <laughs> get people yeah. trading for a week or something. I don't know. I I keep thinking it's so funny because almost every email I read, like I hate German cars. I'm getting rid of European cars, and the next guy's like, "Huh, never had a European car before. I'm really intrigued." It's so funny. I, uh, I think it's yeah. great. But anyway, good choices, Duncan. Uh, Michael, to the both of you, thank you very much for writing in. And again, these mm-hmm. are our Patreon guys that we actually see monthly on Google Hangout Calls. So if you two want to join us, we talk a little bit about the sneak peek, upcoming stuff, some plans for the year, and actually kind of bounce it off our Patreons just to kind of see what their interest level is and um, yeah. you know, what they think. And also ask for suggestions for uh, for reuse from them. So anyway, support us on Patreon if you can. We really appreciate it, and um, in the meantime, please rate and review the podcast. We really love it when you do, and we do notice and it's it's great that you guys keep doing it it's it's fun to see that and uh it's helpful it's it's yeah, genuinely it's really helpful great.
1: it's the thing that keeps this podcast in the top 10 every single week and and both you know the episodes wind up in the top 10 and the podcast hangs out in pretty much we don't drop below about 15 right now which is awesome and that's entirely due to you guys so please do keep rating the podcast and guess what we still do video every Thursday we're doing something pretty much we are probably going to be more like 3 weeks a month this this year Uh, So it may not be every single week, but we're probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about three weeks a month. But we're focusing on our quality and a lot of cool comparisons coming up. So hang on for those and please pass them on, be it the Miata piece or whatever.
0: Absolutely. Post up your questions on our Facebook site and keep the car debates coming. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you.